Back to Basics, Unplanned Patient Hypothermia by Lisa Spruce. Abstract. Unplanned perioperative hypothermia is a common occurrence and can negatively affect a patient's postoperative course. Perioperative nurses are responsible for identifying patients at risk for hypothermia and working with the entire surgical team to prevent this complication from occurring. Multiple interventions can be implemented to address hypothermia, including active or passive warming and warm IV and irrigation fluids. This back-to-basics article addresses patient assessment concerns, identifies a variety of evidence-based interventions that can prevent or mitigate perioperative patient temperature changes, and provides basic steps for perioperative RNs to follow to help prevent perioperative hypothermia in their patients. Hypothermia is quite common in the perioperative environment and is defined as a core body temperature lower than 36 degrees Celsius, 96.8 degrees Fahrenheit. Normally, the human body regulates the core body temperature to maintain normothermia, but this mechanism is altered by general anesthesia, by epidural and other regional anesthetic agents, and by factors experienced in the perioperative environment, for example, cold ambient temperatures. All of these factors can contribute to unintentional or unplanned patient hypothermia. Room temperature is a critical factor in the rate of heat loss from the body. Oftentimes, patients will comment on how cold it is in the OR. However, if an OR is warm to a temperature that will maintain normothermia in patients, it can become uncomfortable for perioperative team members, most often those who are scrubbed at the sterile field, and wearing multiple layers of clothing. It is important not only to maintain normothermia in patients, but to prevent overheating of perioperative team members because this could cause them to sweat onto the sterile field or inhibit their performance. The majority of the available evidence indicates that hypothermia may be associated with adverse effects in patients, such as an increased risk of surgical site infection, cardiac events, increased blood loss, increased length of hospital stay, poor incision healing, increased risk of pressure injury, and increased risk of mortality. However, there are some studies that indicate there is no correlation between hypothermia and some of these effects. This conflicting information could be related to inconsistencies among the definitions of hypothermia and the temperature monitoring methods. Patients have the right to be involved in the plans for their care, and personnel should provide them with information required to make informed decisions. Preoperatively, perioperative nurses should educate patients about unplanned hypothermia. Patients should be aware that staying warm before arriving for surgery will help lower the risk of postoperative complications, and that they should expect the perioperative environment to be colder than their home. Patients should be encouraged to wear additional clothing such as a bathrobe or slippers, to help keep them comfortable and to let a member of their perioperative team know if they feel cold at any time. Perioperative personnel should also be aware of patients who may have communication difficulties to ensure that their needs are being met. How-to guide. Perioperative RNs should assess each patient to determine any factors that may contribute to unplanned perioperative hypothermia. This assessment should occur during the preoperative phase of care. The nurse should identify risks 
and take action as needed to decrease the risk of the patient developing hypothermia. General factors that could place a patient at an increased risk for unplanned hypothermia include an American Society of Anesthesiologists physical status classification of 2 to 5. The higher the score, the greater the risk. The type and duration of the surgical procedure. The type and duration of anesthesia. A preoperative temperature below 36 degrees Celsius, 96.8 degrees Fahrenheit, with no opportunity for preoperative warming because of emergency, and an ambient OR temperature lower than 20 degrees Celsius, 68 degrees Fahrenheit. Individual patient risk factors also may predispose patients to unplanned hypothermia. These risks include, but are not limited, to cardiac disease, age, for example, premature and other low birth weight infants, adults more than 65 years old, low body surface area or weight, pre-existing medical conditions, for example, hypothyroidism, hypoglycemia, malnourishment, burns, trauma, infantile neuronal ceroid lipofuscinosis, neurological disorders, hypotension, and a history of organ transplantation. Perioperative team members should measure and document the patient's temperature throughout all phases of care. If the patient is transferred from another department or unit, for example, patient floor emergency department, the patient's temperature should be measured within the hour before the patient leaves that area. Perioperative team members should determine the methods that will be used to monitor a patient's temperature based on the individual patient assessment and procedure. Factors that the perioperative personnel should take into consideration include the anesthesia type and delivery and the accessibility and invasiveness of the monitoring method. Temperature monitoring options include measuring the core temperature at one of the following sites. Tympanic membrane, via thermistor. Distal esophagus, skin, via zero-heat flux thermometry. And nasopharynx, or pulmonary artery. Near-core sites may also be used. These include the mouth, axilla, bladder, rectum, skin, and tympanic membrane via an infrared sensor. After choosing a temperature monitoring method, personnel should follow best practices and use the same method throughout all phases of perioperative care whenever it is clinically feasible to do so. The perioperative team should collaboratively determine which method of warming to use for each patient. AORN's Guideline for the Prevention of Unplanned Patient Hypothermia provides comprehensive guidance for preventing unplanned hypothermia in perioperative patients and includes detailed information on types of warming methods. Personnel should review this guideline in its entirety. The plan procedure and positioning, patient risk factors, access to IV sites and surgical sites, and skin surface area should determine the chosen method. There are two types of warming, active and passive. Active warming methods include increasing ambient room temperature and using forced air warming devices, which may include water-filled mattresses, radiant warming systems, circulating water garments, warmed IV and irrigation fluids, electric warming blankets and heating pads, carbon fiber and resistive polymer blankets, negative pressure warming systems, thermal exchange chambers, or warmed anesthetic gases. 
Passive warming involves using insulating devices, which may include surgical drapes, cotton blankets, plastic sheets and garments, or blankets made of reflective composite fabric. Active and passive warming methods may be used together. The manufacturer's instructions for use should be followed for whichever method is chosen. Shaw and others conducted a systematic review and meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials, RCTs, of adult patients undergoing surgery with neuroxial anesthesia, that is, spinal epidural, and the administration of either perioperative active warming or passive warming. They concluded that during neuroxial anesthesia, active warming was more effective for preventing hypothermia than passive warming. Passive warming was acceptable for comfort, but was not considered an effective intervention for preventing hypothermia. There are many warming devices on the market today, and perioperative nurses should have an active role in evaluating and selecting these devices for use in their facilities. Technology is constantly changing and manufacturers release new devices regularly. One of the challenges perioperative teams face is how to maintain effective warming while providing unobstructed access to the surgical site. Santa Maria and colleagues conducted an RCT of 36 female patients undergoing breast surgery at a tertiary academic hospital. In stage one of the study, the researchers applied a thermal compression device prototype to the participants in the intervention group. The device heated the popliteal fascia and soles of the feet while providing lower leg compression. The control group received intraoperative active warming with a forced air warming blanket. Primary outcomes included inadvertent perioperative hypothermia and perioperative temperature. Three temperature measurement devices were used, a tympanic thermometer to estimate core temperature, an esophageal probe to measure core temperature intraoperatively, and a direct thermometer to measure skin temperature. Secondary outcomes were patient comfort scores and complications, including blood loss, cardiac changes, skin temperature, and postoperative infection. Temperatures in the intervention group were significantly higher than in the control group. The incidence of inadvertent hypothermia was also significantly lower in the intervention group. The comfort level scores were higher in the intervention group, and the hypothermia-associated wound complications were higher in the control group. The results of this study provide an example of new technology that perioperative personnel should consider when reviewing warming devices for use at their facilities. If a patient's temperature is below 36 degrees Celsius, 96.8 degrees Fahrenheit, during the preoperative phase of care, perioperative personnel should initiate active warming or communicate the need for active warming to the nurse caring for the patient as soon as feasible, even if the patient is in another department or unit, for example, emergency department, inpatient unit, unless there is an emergency and a critical need to expedite the surgery. If a patient's temperature is 36 degrees Celsius, 96.8 degrees Fahrenheit, or higher, active warming should begin at least 30 minutes before the induction of anesthesia, unless doing so would delay an emergent procedure. The decision to pre-warm a patient should be based on the individual needs of the patient. However, the patient should be normothermic before the surgery begins. During the intraoperative phase of care, 
anesthetic gases should be warmed before administration. Lee and others examined 80 patients undergoing posterior lumbar spinal fusion. The patients were randomly and equally assigned to either an experimental group that received anesthesia gases warmed using an electrically heated humidifier or a control group for which the anesthesia gases were not warmed. The researchers found that the group receiving the warmed anesthesia gases had a smaller temperature drop and less blood loss than the group that did not receive the warm gases. The researchers recommended using an active anesthesia gas warming device. Ambient temperature should be at 21 degrees Celsius, 70 degrees Fahrenheit, while the patient is exposed and may be reduced after the patient has begun receiving active warming to provide a more comfortable working environment for the perioperative team. Patient exposure should be kept to a minimum during the intraoperative period, which will help conserve the patient's body heat. Unplanned patient hypothermia concerns continue in the postoperative phase of care. The post-anesthesia care unit RN should record the patient's temperature upon arrival and every 15 minutes thereafter to make sure the patient is maintaining a temperature of at least 36 degrees Celsius, 96.8 degrees Fahrenheit. Patients who were hypothermic should be actively warmed and should not be transferred to a lower level of care. For example, phase 2 recovery, inpatient or observation unit, or discharged home until their temperature reaches 36 degrees Celsius, 96.8 degrees Fahrenheit. Benefit It is beneficial to keep patients warm because the risk for unplanned perioperative hypothermia development in surgical patients is high. The consequences of hypothermia are well documented in the literature. Mild hypothermia can increase the risk of the patient developing a surgical site infection or experiencing an adverse cardiac event and can prolong the duration of anesthesia and the length of postoperative recovery, leading to impaired medication metabolism and increasing the mortality rate for trauma patients. Strategies for Success an intraoperative strategy that provides positive outcomes related to preventing unplanned patient hypothermia is to administer warm irrigation and IV fluids. In an RCT, Woolno and others examined patients randomly assigned to one of three groups. The first group received IV fluids at room temperature. The second group received IV fluids warmed in a cabinet to 45 degrees Celsius, 113 degrees Fahrenheit and the third group received fluids warmed with an IV fluid warming device with a programmed temperature of 42 degrees Celsius, 107.6 degrees Fahrenheit. To maintain the integrity of the blinded study, IV fluids for all three groups ran through the IV fluid warming device. However, the device was only turned on for the third group. The researchers found that the patient temperature decreased at 60 minutes was similar in both of the warming groups, but the temperature decrease in the room temperature group was significantly greater. The researchers concluded that IV fluids should be warmed and that warming using a cabinet or an IV fluid warming device was equally effective. Campbell and others conducted a review of RCTs or quasi-RCTs comparing fluid warming methods versus standard care or other warming methods used to maintain normothermia. 
the researchers collected patient temperature data at various times throughout surgery and found moderate quality evidence that warm IV fluids kept patients warmer than room temperature IV fluids during surgery. It was unclear whether using warm fluids in addition to other warming methods was beneficial. Steelman and others conducted a systematic review with meta-analysis to compare the effect of warm irrigation fluids, that is, 32 degrees Celsius to 40 degrees Celsius, 89.6 degrees Fahrenheit to 104 degrees Fahrenheit, with the effect of room temperature irrigation fluids, that is, 20 degrees Celsius to 22 degrees Celsius, 68 degrees Fahrenheit to 71.6 degrees Fahrenheit. The researchers wanted to determine whether using warmed fluids decreased the risk of perioperative hypothermia, that is, temperatures less than 36 degrees Celsius, less than 96.8 degrees Fahrenheit, in patients undergoing hip, knee, or shoulder arthroscopy procedures. Both Level 1 and Level 2 quasi-experimental RCTs were included in the review. Seven studies were included in the qualitative synthesis, five shoulder, one hip, and one knee, although the knee arthroscopy was excluded from the meta-analysis because of insufficient data. The authors concluded that when warm irrigation fluids were used for shoulder and hip arthroscopy, the drop in intraoperative core temperature was lower, the lowest body temperature measured was higher, the risk of developing hypothermia was lower, and the risk of postoperative shivering was reduced. Use of a warmed cotton blanket is a common practice in most perioperative settings. Even though this may seem like a safe task, perioperative staff members should take precautions to avoid a potential patient injury. Patients may be sedated or sleeping when warm blankets are applied, and therefore may be unable to feel an increase in temperature or verbalize any discomfort. Further, not all patients tolerate applied heat in the same way. Warming cabinets that are used for blanket warming should either be separate from cabinets used for warming IV or irrigation fluids, or should be compartmentalized with separate heating controls. Fluids should not be warmed to the same temperature as blankets, because fluids attain a higher temperature and retain that temperature longer, presenting a greater risk for thermal injury. The ECRI Institute continues to recommend that warming cabinet temperatures for blankets be limited to 54 degrees Celsius, 130 degrees Fahrenheit, based on a multitude of cases of patient burns resulting from blankets that were in cabinets set to temperatures higher than 54 degrees Celsius, 130 degrees Fahrenheit. The ECRI Institute maintains that there is a risk for patient burns from blankets heated to higher temperatures, and that for prevention of hypothermia, perioperative personnel should use active warming methods. After the most recent ECRI Institute recommendation, Kelly and others conducted a randomized descriptive comparative study to measure skin temperature and thermal comfort in healthy volunteers before and after the application of rolled and folded dry cotton blankets that were warmed in cabinets at 54.4 degrees Celsius, 130 degrees Fahrenheit, or 93.3 degrees Celsius, 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Twenty study participants received one of each type of blanket at each of the warmed temperatures. The blankets were positioned between the volunteer's skin and the bed. The folded blanket was placed under the volunteer's back, and the rolled blanket was applied to the neck. Skin temperatures from blankets warmed to 93.3 degrees Celsius, 200 degrees Fahrenheit, 
were greater than the skin temperatures from blankets warmed to 54.4 degrees Celsius, 130 degrees Fahrenheit. There was no evidence of a skin temperature elevated high enough or long enough to cause dermal injury. AORN's Guideline for a Safe Environment of Care Part 1 states that warming cabinet or compartment temperatures used for blankets and other patient linens should not exceed 54.4 degrees Celsius, 130 degrees Fahrenheit. After patient and environmental risk factors have been identified and warming measures have been implemented, perioperative nurses should document this information in the patient's medical record, including the warming method used, equipment identifiers, and temperature settings, if applicable. This documentation provides both a record of patient care and a communication tool for all care providers involved in the patient's perioperative experience. Wrap-up Preventing unplanned hypothermia in the perioperative patient is critical because this condition may contribute to the development of many patient complications. Following the basic steps outlined in this article can help to prevent hypothermia and increase patient comfort in the perioperative setting. Perioperative team members should be aware of patient temperatures at all stages of care, report and document those temperatures, and be proactive in preventing drops in temperature. Keeping patients warm contributes to safe and high-quality patient care, which is the goal of all perioperative RNs.